we got a lot to talk about on today's show. It's that time of the year when you've got a lot of news and notes to go along with whatever topic you're going to discuss. And today our topic is shortstops. We are previewing the position. Coming up later, you can expect to hear about the top 20 and a little bit further down even as we'll give you some AL only and NL only players. Sleepers, breakouts, busts. We'll have some disagreements between Scott and Al. Differences between Roto and head-to-head, and of course, strategy in both auctions and standard drafts. When do you take shortstops? How much do you bid on them? Etc. First, let me give about the information. Follow us on Twitter at CBS Scott White at Al Melk CBS Al M E L C CBS at Adam Azer A I Z E R and at CBS Fantasy BB for all your baseball needs. Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com is our email address. Again, that's Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. And you can follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash CBS Sports Fantasy Baseball. All right. What's up, Al? Wow. Well, that was a mouthful. I know. Yeah. Every time <laughs> it's like, let's just get, get through the intro already. How you doing? I'm doing very good. Scott is not here yet. He will be coming in shortly, and we probably won't even reach our shortstop preview before he gets here. It'll be just a matter of minutes. Now, you saw a baseball movie this weekend, huh? I did. One that's been sitting on my DVD shelf for probably about three years, Sugar. And Never I've, even heard of it. Oh, uh, it's it's awesome. Really? So, yeah. And, and I, I tell you what, the podcast actually, I think, motivated me to finally put it in the player and watch it because <laughs> I'd heard such good things about it. And I had a feeling if I watched it, it would probably crack my top five. What is it? And it's a movie about a Dominican player um, and his struggles uh, first in the, the academy, the Dominican academy. And then he, I don't want to be too much of, of a spoiler, but, you know, basically, you know, his struggle to progress to the major leagues and it's got sort of an unexpected okay, okay. development but it's it's really well done so well we got a lot of feedback from our movie discussion yeah. so i just want to get through that real quick and hey look who's here scott white's in the house what's yeah, up scott creeping in yeah now you're only two minutes late no big deal so um we we talked about our favorite baseball movies last week and we got some feedback ethan said Seriously, no Sandlot shout-outs? Come on, it's a classic. I think that's a good call. I forgot about the Sandlot. I have to admit I haven't seen the Sandlot. What? And I have to confess the very same thing. You guys have never seen the Sandlot? And I, I know it's have. supposed to be great, so I guess that's the next one Then I go see. Yeah, after, it's really good. I don't know if you're going to like it now. It's kind of a kid's <laughs> movie. Yeah. But you will like it. You just won't. Yeah, I'm pretty immature. Yeah. So. <laughs> you won't love it as you would have if you had seen it when you were a kid. But obviously, <laughs> you weren't a kid when that came out. Anyway, <laughs> oh. um, Paul and Vincent... Paul and Vincent both got on us for leaving off The Natural. And oh. now, as soon as the show ended last week, I said, guys, what about The Natural? And you both like were just disgusted that I would even bring it up. Yeah, it's ridiculous. My, my wife and I watched it about a year ago, and it was the most over-the-top, <laughs> unrealistic. I, I feel like who wrote it never had never seen a baseball game <laughs> in his life. It was just light smashing everywhere and people getting shot and... I, it was it was it was just ridiculous. I thought. Yeah, we also got some love for Bad News Bears, which we forgot. The original, I hope. Yeah, the never original. saw the never saw the remake though. <laughs> the original was very good. Bang the drum slowly. I've never seen a League of Their Own is awesome. That is that's probably a top three movie. Um, let's see, Eight Men Out. I think did you mention? I did that? mention that kind of uh, at the end. Uh, Pride of the Yankees, I never saw. And then Major League is number 10 on this guy Mark's list. He gave us a list of his top 10, and he put Major League number 10. So, Mark, you have no credibility in movies. Let's get to baseball. <laughs> well, wait a second. I, I, I want to bring this up because I, I said it to you. I thought of my third favorite after the show ended, 61. Not a, it's a made-for-TV movie. It doesn't count. 
It's a, it's a, it was an HBO made for TV movie though. I think it should count. I think it's good, and I think you as a Yankees fan should have a little more appreciation. I for haven't it. seen it. Well, maybe you should see it. Uh, it's maybe good. It. <laughs> let's uh, let's talk baseball here before we get into the shortstops. Ryan Braun won his appeal, not suspended. That is incredible news for fantasy owners. Where does he go now? Which pick in the first round? Well, we have him ranked number five overall. And, I mean, I think you can make an argument to, uh, and especially in a head-to-head format, you could certainly take him uh, over Matt Kemp, who we have fourth in terms of auction value. Uh, but I think, you know, anywhere probably from three on down, you can okay. make an argument. But yeah. we do have, have him ranked fifth. I personally have him sixth because I throw Tulowitzki ahead of there, oh. ahead of him also. And I don't think our rankings do. But Nope. The other guys ahead of him are Kemp Pujols, Bautista, and Cabrera. We're talking outfielders tomorrow. We have a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday schedule this week. Three podcasts this week. Outfield preview tomorrow. So we'll get more into Braun. Chris Perez out four to six weeks with a strained oblique. He could miss opening day. Is Vinny Pistano worth drafting? And does this, does this drop Chris Perez's value on draft day? I think it hurts Perez more than it helps Pestano because with Pestano you still have the risk of, you know, he's only going to be a placeholder for a very short time. But with Perez, you wonder if this is going to be a lingering thing. And so I think you have to be extra cautious uh, drafting Perez. And uh, Pestano I still view as an ale-only option. Okay. there Was a, was there a setback for Ryan Howard? It's a, a minor a one. A little unclear. Very minor. Okay. The whole thing's unclear, and I, I think this is what makes drafting him extra scary, seeing what what Kendris Morales went through coming off ankle surgery last year. It was very different surgery and not nearly as bad, but I, I just feel like that him coming back at the end of April is, is as optimistic as it gets. And a setback, certainly for Scott Sizemore towards ACL. He's out for the year. Disappointing news for the A's and their third baseman. And I'm sorry, guys. Setback for us. No beer on the podcast. I'm banning alcohol. Following, you know. Such a PR. Such a PR move. (laughs) It was a PR move, absolutely. (laughs) Later on the show, if you remember last week, I promised a cool note on Ruben Tejada. I'm going to give it to you. But we have more important things to talk about. Who do you guys disagree on among shortstops? Let's start with a fight. What do you think? Sure, why not? Yeah, you're gonna nothing, have to start it because I'm not sure <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, nobody. I'm not sure exactly here. either. I know Hanley Ramirez. I feel like you are higher on that than is I true. am, and uh, that's uh, that's that's probably the the highest profile play. Well, it doesn't get much more high profile at the position, I guess. But the main point of contention there, I think, is that you're gonna have to draft him in the early to mid second round, and coming off the year Hanley just had coming off shoulder surgery, coming off this move to third base, which, uh, you know, he seems, he, even though he says otherwise, he seems reluctant to make. I, I think there's, there's definite reason to wonder if he's going to get back to being that early second round type of player. And uh, I, I'm just not sure it's worth it. Yeah, I think maybe our minor, our disagreement is is a minor one, but I do look at it a little differently. And first of all, I, I don't think I could see myself taking him early second round anyway. I, I just don't see that I would take him over first baseman or outfielder at that point. But mid to late second round, I think then the, the choice is a little bit easier, and I could see taking him at that point. And instead of focusing on the fact that, yes, he's had shoulder surgery, that he had an abysmal year for most of the time that he played last season, that there were signs of him 
improving mid-year before he got hurt, uh, that there are some reports that, that the shoulder has healed well. And when you, 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 know, you look at the fact that there's a, a mostly consistent track record there of really good power production at the position, and you look at what your alternatives are late second round, I'd be willing to take well, a, a risk on And then there's a, var- there's a variable I even forgot to mention there, the injury proneness <laughs> this is two straight years now he's missed significant time with injury which kind of puts him in the same class as jose reyes i feel exactly. like as far as that goes and and that I, i'm not drafting jose reyes well i guess there is a point in the second round where i would be willing to go after either but to put it in specific terms i'm taking mark Teixeira first i'm taking ian kinsler first i'm probably taking carlos gonzalez first and I think there's going to be enough other people who wouldn't be willing to go that route that I'm not going to end up with either Reyes or Hanley. Who do you like better, Reyes or Hanley? Uh, I guess Hanley, but it's very close to me. I think Reyes is definitely going to give you more steals. Um, But I feel like the injury risk is a little higher with him. So I, I think that would have me lean toward Ramirez. Who do you like better, Al? I like Ramirez better. We have them ranked two and three in that order. Troy Tulowitzki, number one. Hanley Ramirez, two. Reyes, three. I will read the top ten, and there are auction values based on a $260 budget. Tulowitzki, $32. Hanley Ramirez, $23. Jose Reyes, $22. A little bit of a drop-off after that. Starlin Castro, $15. Is Drupal Cabrera, $14. Jimmy Rollins, 13 Seventh is Elvis Andrews, $12. Emilio Bonifacio is eighth at $12. Derek Jeter, 11 Eric Ibar, 10 And then under $10 for Alexi Ramirez. D. Gordon is 12 J.J. Hardy, 13 Johnny Peralta, 14 Yunel Escobar. Alcides Escobar. Ian Desmond. Marco Scudero, now a Colorado Rocky. Zach Cozart with the Reds. And Stephen Drew, number 20. He's an interesting guy. We'll talk more about him a little bit later. Uh, is this a deep position or a shallow position? I mean, we know the answer. It's pretty shallow, but I'll just speak to how shallow it is. Yeah, no, very shallow. It really stands out among all the positions. And, you know, you spoke to the drop-off from Reyes to Castro at number three and number th- four, and that's precisely the reason why I would be willing to take uh, a chance on Hanley Ramirez late in the second round. Because if you miss him and then Reyes, who, yeah, I mean, is pretty close there in terms of value and production, but he's equally, if not more injury prone, I would say more injury prone. Uh, and if, you know, once you're past that point, there's just a, a whole lot of uncertainty. And if there's not uncertainty, then there's just a, a steady track record of really mediocre production. So once you get past the big three, you know, it's, it's uh, not uh, a deep or uh, really a productive position at and, all. And because I talk about the injury risk with Hanley and Reyes, yeah, that's a big reason tying this whole podcast together, why I, I, I like Tulowitzki up there in the top five ahead of Braun. To me, he stands out even beyond those other two because I feel like he's significantly safer. Let me give you an argument against Tulowitzki, which I'm not. I'm not against Tulowitzki, but just an argument against taking him high is if you just look at last year's points totals in head-to-head leagues he was the number 18 hitter so there are a lot of I mean obviously it's all about position scarcity you want to get Mm -hmm. the best shortstop but I mean there are so many guys who produced more than he did that you could take at three or four overall in your draft that would be an argument against 
Tulowitzki. I mean, he was 18th. Reyes was 23rd, as Drupal Cabrera was 29th. There were only three shortstops in the top 30. How, how many games did Tulo play last year? Because he did miss time with something. It was. Uh... I can tell you how many at bats he had, uh, if I could find that. All right. Um, let's see. Tulowitzki had. 537 uh, at bats. Uh, I think so, that was Reyes. Of course, Tulowitzki is the one guy who got cut off from this sheet. That I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got 537 at-bats in 143 games, so he missed 19. Oh, he and Reyes both had 537 at-bats. That is odd. Um, anyway, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, but I, I feel like when you when – you, it, it's one thing to just look at last year's numbers. It's another thing to – factor in the likelihood of each player performing at a certain level and to me um a, a second rounder like like Mark Teixeira or obviously a Prince Fielder is much more likely to reach that um Albert Pujols Miguel Cabrera class than uh a Jose Reyes or, or somebody even further down on the list at shortstop is to reach the Troy Tulowitzki class so I I feel really? like you're not losing as much as you feel like you are, uh, well, by, by taking Tulo Reyes wasn't much round. worse than Tulo last right. year, right? But he also had the best year in in years, and and I, I don't know that you can expect him to repeat those numbers or or even get as much playing time. And and that was with two trips on the DL. That Reyes is just not not a safe player at all. So Tulowitzki for you goes where, Scott? Fourth, fourth, and, fourth. and Al. Yeah, a little later. Uh, I'd say probably sixth is about the earliest. So we're talking Cabrera, Pujols, Bautista, yeah, right. Kemp, and Braun? Braun uh, ahead of Tulawiski. As I'm looking at it, sixth or, or seventh. Yeah, I probably would take him ahead of Ellsbury. So okay. that, yeah, he'd be a solid sixth. And Scott, you take Bautista, Pujols, and Cabrera, but not the outfielders. Correct. All right. Then let's move on and, and get a little bit deeper in this position. Who do you like after Reyes and Ramirez, or in our case, Ramirez and Reyes. Who's number four for you guys? In our rankings, it's Starlin Castro, but as Drupal Cabrera had a big year last year. Scott, who do you like at number for four? For me, it's Starlin Castro, and, and I feel like this is another player Al and I disagree about. I think you're going to be surprised, but go oh, ahead. Okay. Well, <laughs> Castro, you know he's going to give you batting average, which in Roto Leagues is kind of the forgotten category, but it's important, particularly if you plan on drafting an Ugla type for power or somebody like that. And then he also delivered 21 steals last year, got hot with the power in the second half, finished with 10 home runs, but I think it was like eight in the second half. And I feel like he has the potential to be a 15 homer guy, considering he's still in his early 20s. There's room to improve there. And uh, if if he continues the, the upward trend this year, then to me he's clearly better than an injury risk like Rollins or um, Elvis Andrews is kind of a one-trick pony. Uh, and then I would also consider him better than Asdrubal Cabrera, who I think most people consider to be a regression candidate. And I just agreed with every single thing you said. <laughs> now, the reason why I think you think that I'm more down on Castro is because uh, you do have to you know, project that he's going to take that step this year. I think there's a nice chance it's going to happen, but as, you know, 
there's always a risk there. And if it doesn't happen, there's a big chasm between him and Ramirez and Reyes. And even if it does happen, I still think there's a sizable chasm there. So, yeah, I talk him down a little bit because I just don't think he's a part of that big three. Yeah. And and you're going to want to wait on him. And meanwhile, there isn't as much separation between him and the Esdrubal Cabreras uh, of the, the middle ranks. That said, I agree with every point that you made. I think there's potential there for power improvement uh, to maintain or maybe even improve the batting average. I think probably an increase in the stolen bases. Um, yeah, now there's, there's, he's, I've got him as a breakout well, candidate. Well, just to further your point, I think uh, there is definitely the potential for somebody to reach for Castro anticipating that um, step forward. But where I like drafting him is if you get the people who, who draft, you're, you're in a league with people who draft as Rubel Cabrera ahead or Jimmy Rollins ahead and Castro ends up falling to like the seventh round. I think, uh, I think that's a great place to, to get him. Yeah, but that doesn't seem to be very realistic. On average, he's going in the fourth and looking at the two drafts that we always reference, our 12-team Roto and 12-team head-to-head, he's going end of the third or beginning of the fourth. So I'll ask you That's this. a reach. It is. Yes. Would you rather have Reyes in the second or Castro about a round and a half later? I would rather punt and uh, draft D. Gordon or Yunel uh, Escobar, depending whether Roto or head-to-head. It's scary, but I agree. I guess it's a little <laughs> high for both of those guys. Now let's talk about strategy then. What are you guys seeing? Give me your tiers, all that stuff, Al. All right. Well, I think uh, it's pretty obvious at this point. I see a tier of three at the top, and and you know, I think there is an argument for Tulo maybe in a, a Uber tier all by himself. But uh, definitely, you got Tulo, Hanley, and Reyes as the top three, a clear distant top three, and then you've got a, a second tier clustered that looks like this: Castro, Asdrubal Cabrera, Jimmy Rollins, Elvis Andrews, and Scott's favorite uh, Emilio Bonifacio, <laughs> and not. Really far behind is Eric Ibar and Alexi uh, Ramirez. So it's, it's a big second tier with very little to distinguish the top from the bottom. I divide my tiers a little differently. I have two low alone at the top, then Ramirez and Reyes second. Then the third tier is the Castro, Drubal, Rollins, Andrews, Bonifacio group. I think Bonifacio's in with those guys for sure. And then the fourth tier would have Jeter, Eric Ibar, Alexi Ramirez, I include D. Gordon, J.J. Hardy, Johnny Peralta, and even Yunel Escobar, um, who I think is is undervalued, especially in head-to-head leagues. And then beyond that, you have everyone else like uh, Alcides Escobar, Ian Desmond, guys I'm not that interested in. So looking at average draft position, we're looking at Tulo in round one, Hanley and Reyes in round two, Starlin Castro, Elvis Andrews in round four. As Drupal Cabrera in round seven, which seems kind of late because he went in round four in this Roto League and probably around there in the head-to-head league. I'll try to look it up. Um, but let's let's just say round five for his Drupal Cabrera. Jimmy Rollins round eight. Do you guys want to wait? If you can't get one of those top three, or I guess for Scott, if you can't get the top one, or both of you, if you can't get Tulowitzki, are you waiting until D. Gordon? in round 11 or 12, something like that. I would prefer not to wait that long, but again, because I don't see too much that separates um, Castro from, say, Alexi Ramirez, who I put at the the bottom of my second tier. Um, You know, I'm probably, as much as I like Castro, I'm certainly not reaching for him, and I'm probably not going to wind up with him in very many drafts. 
because I'd rather, you know, pursue guys at positions where I see that, you know, there's going to be a bigger drop off at that point than at shortstop. So I'm probably never going to wind up with Castro or as Drupal Cabrera. And um, in fact, there was a recent draft. I can't remember which one. I think it might have been our AL only auction where I almost went for Derek Jeter. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm probably you know going to really get serious about the point where it's Jeter, Ibar, and Alexi. I think this position, as much as any, except maybe maybe catcher, you you take a very different approach in roto versus head to head. Um, and, and part of it is just because there's certain players that stand out as better in, in certain formats. Like D. Gordon, love him in roto leagues because I think he's a cinch for 40 steals. Hate him in head to head because he doesn't walk at all and uh, he, he just doesn't do anything but steal bases um, to help in that format. Um, and, and then apart from that, in roto, you have to worry about fitting, feeling, filling a middle infield spot that you don't have to worry about in head-to-head. So what you see in head-to-head is, uh, you know, with those top four tiers I named off, 15 shortstops there that are that are going to be okay starters, I feel like, for most fantasy teams. Um, so in head-to-head, you can afford to wait till a lot later, guys like Eric Ibar and, and, and even maybe a J.J. Hardy is going to be available just because there's not as much need at shortstop. While in Roto, you might have to, those guys are probably going to end up being more middle round types uh, because everyone's going to have to worry about looking for that extra middle infielder later in the draft. What about auctions? What's your strategy in an auction with shortstops? Too low. Go go crazy. Go crazy. So we have him listed with a thirty-two dollar value. How I'm much doing an spend? auction with you guys later know, today, so I'm kind of scared to admit that. <laughs> uh, Believe me, we already knew. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I in in a in a mixed league auction where you know I can trust that the dollar sleepers are are going to be players I actually want on my team. Uh, I'm willing willing to go as high as like fifty dollars for for somebody like Tulo, and in NL only, it's completely different because uh, those one dollar guys are a lot of times garbage. There's not going to be a waiver wire to fall back on after the auction is over, so you can't afford to devote you can't you can't put all your eggs in one basket like that in in those shallow in in those deeper leagues, but. Uh, in a standard mixed league, yeah, I can. I'll, I'll go crazy for Tulo. Al, what do you do? Yeah, I'm going to go crazy for Tulo. We'll see who goes crazier later today. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I, fine. So the loser of the Tulo bidding war, what are you going to do to fall back? Right, Bonifacio. Yeah, I could. I could <laughs> see that, and I, I'm probably. I mean, I have a tendency, no matter what I might say, I have a tendency to wait really late for short stops. Oftentimes, I regret it, but I can live. Um, like I said before, I can live with uh, you know an Eric Ibar and Alexi Ramirez, and if I do go a little further down, particularly if it's rotisserie, if I need the power, I'll go after a JJ Hardy. If I need you know the steals, you know, then I'll go after a, a D Gordon or or somebody like that. Um, and there are a few other names. I kind of want to save them for later because we're going to talk about you yeah. know, sleepers and, and breakouts. But um, I'll, that, you know, I'll basically look for what I need to fill later on. You know, it's weird. This is a position that has a lot of steals. So you're looking at guys like, obviously, D. Gordon. He, he, didn't, he had like 24 last year, 24 in 56 games. So he's going to steal a lot of bases. Bonifacio, Reyes, Ibar, Andrews all had 30 steals or more. A uh, bunch more get you 20. So looking at guys who are actually bad for stolen bases, if you're in a roto league, Jeter as Drupal Cabrera, Tulowitzki 
but still we don't care because he hits a lot of home runs, right? And Does everything else. Alexi Ramirez, uh, those guys are not good for steals. Home runs, Tulowitzki, J.J. Hardy as Drupal Cabrera, Johnny Peralta were the only shortstops with 20 or more home runs. You could project Hanley for, for 20 or more, right? I mean, that oh, would be so. outlandish at all. Um, so home runs are a little more scarce than steals uh, if you're you know drafting in a Roto League. Okay, um, let's talk about some guys. Let's just go down the list. And we've spoken about Hanley Ramirez, Jose Reyes, Starlin Castro. As Drupal Cabrera, we should spend a little bit more time on because he was actually drafted in the seventh round in the head-to-head draft in our mock draft and the fourth round in Roto. And you guys both think he could regress. He was the third best shortstop last year, hit 244 after the All-Star break. Yeah, no, I think he's a serious regression candidate. And if it weren't for the fact that in every draft and auction I've been in so far, everybody else seems to value him that same way, yeah. I'd call him a bust. But yeah, uh, right. he, yeah. So I think the, the cat's out of the bag with uh, Ezdrubal Cabrera. What I worry about with Ezdrubal Cabrera is him becoming another Aaron Hill, where he has this power spike and, and he thinks that's who he is now. So his batting average tanks, which we saw that start to happen in the second half, uh, just last year, I feel like we started to see Aaron Hill climb out of that and become more of a contact hitter. Uh, I don't think the the 25 homer pace is something as Drupal Cabrera can sustain unless he he seriously destroys his batting average. Do you like him better than Jimmy Rollins, just in a vacuum? Yeah, because I don't trust Rollins to play all season is what it boils down to. He's in his mid-30s now. Cabrera in round six or Rollins in round eight? Uh, I would, I would probably take Cabrera. I think I think round six is reasonable for him. I think where you get in trouble is if you start going after him in round four. Kind of the same way with Castro, um, and and I think the difference we saw with those two leagues you pointed out fourth round and one seventh round of the other is. is kind of points out just how much of a, a cluster it is at that tier there that really they could go in any order. I'll talk about Elvis Andrews. Well, all right, here's a spoiler alert. I've got him as a, as a bust because uh. unlike Azdrubal Cabrera, I see him going very high in just about every draft and auction so far. And Scott Apley referred to him as a one-trick pony. And, and the thing that is distressing to me about Andrews is that you know he came in uh, three seasons ago as a 20-year-old 20 year, 20 and you would expect some sort of signs of progress from him, but he's really the same player offensively that he was three seasons ago. I'm sure Emilio Bonifacio will be on either a sleeper or a breakout list for Scott, so we'll skip him. <laughs> Derek Jeter was the 12th best head-to-head shortstop, the 11th best roto shortstop last year. He's 37. He hit 270 pre-All-Star break. He hit 327 post-All-Star break. What's he more like? I think he's probably more like the 270, to be honest, but not that much more, I think. You know, really, I would expect him to split the difference and be in the probably 290 to 300 range. So I don't, I think the second half last year was maybe the last gasp of a, of a great Derek Jeter, or at least a very good Derek Jeter. But um, again, given how the position is, he'll, he'll still have value. Jeter in round 11 or Castro in round five? <sighs> I mean, five is not too bad for Castro. But I think Jeter's a better value at 11, and I think I can make more hay at other positions in those earlier rounds <laughs> by waiting for Jeter. Jeter yeah. in round 11 or D. Gordon in round 12? D. Gordon in roto, Jeter in head-to-head. Okay. That, that's a guy who's great in roto, terrible in head-to-head, like I said before. D. So Gordon. It, it, yeah, D. Yeah. Gordon. It makes a big difference. Eric Ibar, Scott. 
Eric Ibar, I think, is one of is is a little undervalued. He kind of gets lost among the J.J. Hardys and Johnny Peraltas because he doesn't really have that that standout category. But I think a lot of people would be surprised to to know he he stole thirty. I think it was exactly 30 bases last year, and and I feel like that's perfectly sustainable for him. And he's most likely going to bat near the top of the Angels lineup ahead of Pujols, and uh, I think he can be definitely a starting caliber shortstop there. Alexi Ramirez, Al, disappointing 2011. Can he rebound? I think so because disappointing, but it's all relative. I mean, he his performance wasn't really that different. It was just a little bit down in in a lot of different areas. Maybe so, disappointing to expectations. Yeah, and I think those expecta- expectations, in a way, it sort of reminds me of Brandon Phillips, how he had this one really good season early in his career that I think set the bar a little too high. You know, Ramirez came out right away with really good power for a shortstop, but over the course of his career now, the power's been sort of mediocre. So he's a guy who's, you know, a contact hitter, steady, you know, sort of a rich man's Unel Escobar uh, without the walks. J.J. Hardy, uh, a lot of home runs, but 31 walks, 92 strikeouts. That's not a good ratio. Are you buying uh, that power? No, I'm not. Um, he had a lot of short distance home runs last year. He had power earlier in his career. I don't think he's going to completely fall off, but I think this was so out of character and, and the signs are there that um, that's, that probably was a career year power-wise for Hardy. Hardy or Jeter? Uh, Jeter. Better, better rounded uh, profile for Jeter. He's going to help you in more ways. And Scott, Stephen Drew, is he worth the risk in, say, the 13th round? Not the 13th round, no. He's worth the risk late in the draft and and I think particularly in head to head leagues you'll see him go undrafted um in, in some of them. Uh but I uh, th- there's still uncertainty whether he's gonna be able to start the season. It's looking more likely now. And, and just the thing about Steven Drew, other than that one twenty homer season he had, he he's always been kind of a disappointment. Okay. Well let's get on to sleepers, breakouts and busts. Scott, you want to start with your sleepers? Sure, I'll start with a few low-end guys here who I think uh, are going to be undervalued. Marco Scudero, I know we've talked about him before on this podcast. (laughs) Oh, so you stole a sleeper, huh? (laughs) Um, Stole a sleeper. That's good, that's good. Yeah, no, I I think uh, everybody knows about his great year in Toronto. People see it as an outlier. The very next year, his first year in Boston... He was the sixth-ranked shortstop in head-to-head leagues, and, and there was nothing really that stood out about his categories. He just hit a bunch of doubles, got on base. Uh, he showed after after he overtook Jed Lowry at midway through last season that he's still that type of player, and now he's going to Colorado. They want him second in that lineup just ahead of uh, Cargo and Tulowitzki. So I think I think Scudero could be a, a very sneaky pick in the late rounds, particularly in head-to-head. Um I also like Zach Kozert, uh, who who looked decent when he first came up last year uh, before needing <laughs> Tommy John one, surgery. Another Al sleeper. Uh, I think he's a sleeper to be a 2020 guy. Probably not this year, but but maybe down the road. Jed Lowry, i got to put him in there. I don't trust him to stay healthy, but you know he's going to play in Houston, and I think when he is healthy, he's uh, above average offensive shortstop. And then I'll just mention you know Escobar a little more on the high end there, but I see him going very, very late. Kind of, kind of like Marco Scudero, um, except maybe even a little, little more home run power. And out. Yeah, I have nothing. To, 
<laughs> Nothing to add to that. That's exact. <laughs> I had Scudero and Cozart as my main sleepers. I didn't have Escobar, but I do like him. And when you talk about a guy that you you know are hap- happy to settle for when you miss out on the guys you really want, I know Escobar's so consistent, and that's you now. I'm talking about. Right. Um, so yeah, not, not much to add. You know, just if, as far as Cozart goes, um, I'm really impressed by the home run power. And it spurts and in the minor leagues, he showed some good gap power, too. So I think he could be a surprise with batting average. I'll let you go first, Al, with your breakout. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, and I've already mentioned Starlin Castro, and we've, uh, we've pretty much covered that pretty well. So, I mean, just to reiterate that, you know, he's already shown some advancements in power and stolen, <laughs> excuse me, and stolen bases. And he's at an age where he can improve on those categories even more. Um, so I think that what you saw last year could be you know, the floor for Castro this year. So there's, there's not much to dislike there. And then I'll go to the, my other Escobar, Elcides. And this is, I, I call him a, a breakout sort of begrudgingly because we have to talk about somebody and there's going to be somebody with breakout <laughs> potential. And I think Castro's is very strong. Escobar's is probably the next strongest, but that's sort of damning with faint praise because in, in two full seasons, he has not, really come close to what he did in the minors or in his first partial season uh, when he was with the Brewers. But Escobar is really disappointed with batting average, and from that he's been a disappointment with runs and stolen bases. I still think he's young enough to have a shot to make a big improvement in batting average, and that's going to be the the rising tide that lifts his other categories, and that's a bad metaphor, and I'll just stop there. (laughs) (laughs) Could you you see him being your starting shortstop in a standard 12-team league? Uh, you know, or uh, rather, Osis Escobar. Yeah. No, not not by choice. So he's like a middle infielder in a roto league or something. Yes. Okay. Scott breakouts. Emilio Bonifacio. Oh, him, saw that huh? one coming. <laughs> yeah, and, and you'll have to forgive me because I'm going off memory here, but I think these are the right numbers. Maybe a little off since June 20th when Jack McKeon took over last year. Uh, finally got through to him that he needs to slap his way on base and, and then run wild when he gets there. He he completely took off 312 with 36 steals during about an 84-game stretch. Um, and that, to me, is just... that Those are Michael Bourne numbers. Um, and except you, Bonifacio is also eligible at third and shortstop. We know he's going to be playing center field every day now that Ioannis Cespedes is with uh, Athletics. So there's really no reason to distrust him with the middle round pick. I feel like he can be a definite value at that point and potentially perform like a top five shortstop. Uh, D. Gordon's my only other guy here. Uh, he in he, roto, he fin- yeah, in <laughs> roto. He he finally took off. Uh, he, he finally showed he could be uh, hit for a batting average at the end of last season when he came back from a shoulder injury, and uh, like I said, a cinch for 40 steals. He'll need to learn to walk more before I trust him in head-to-head, but in Roto, I, I, I like him a lot. And just for the record, Bonifacio finished 10th in head-to-head, 7th in Roto last year. So he's almost top five already. Yeah, He wasn't even starting all year. And finally, Busts, Scott. Yeah, I got a couple here. Jimmy Rollins, uh, who, pretty obvious, I think. He's old. Uh, last year, he, he kind of was the first year in like five years that his batting average and, and percentages took a step forward, and it was just a slight step forward. I think there's he's more likely to drop off this year. Um, and then uh, Ian Desmond, who I feel like has kind of kind of got the Alexi Ramirez treatment last year and even to a certain extent this year in that you see a guy with some measure of power, some measure of speed, and he plays shortstop. Well, okay, maybe this guy will be pretty good. I, I don't think he's a good enough hitter. He's a free swinger. 
Um, I, there's there's some speed there, but it's not like he's a, a 40 steel guy or anything. Um, and, and then you also have to consider Danny Espinoza is probably a better defender than Ian Desmond. The, Espinoza being the second baseman. The Nationals want him at shortstop eventually. They have Steven Lombardozzi coming up, um, who they like. Even if even if he profiles more as a utility player, I think there's the potential he could he could make a bigger impact for them than than Desmond, and they may, may realize it at some point this season and make that change. So, I, I don't trust Desmond at all. Yeah, and well, one more name to throw into that whole mix: Anthony Rendon. Yeah, it looks like with the Zimmerman extension over the weekend, I don't see how he's going to play any position other than second base going forward. Now, who are your busts? My busts, I've already mentioned Elvis Andrews. That has at least as much to do with expectations as it does with uh, sort of a stag- stagnant pattern for him the last three seasons. Um, again, sort of like Elcides Escobar, a young guy who could turn things around, but we've seen even fewer signs, I think, with Andrews than we have with, with Escobar for growth. So I just think that he's overvalued if you're taking him close to fourth or fifth among shortstops. And uh, the other one, again, J.J. Hardy, uh, I just don't see him being a 30-homer guy again. I see him being closer to a 20-homer guy and not really going to help you in any other category. The only shortstop in the top 20 that we have not talked about is Johnny Peralta. Go. (laughs) He's kind of the—I kind of lump him in with Hardy because you look at his numbers last year. They were the best of his career, Uh, obviously much more geared toward power than speed. And I think the power's legit. I just don't know. He was about a 290 hitter last yeah. year, and that that's a real outlier for him. I think if he gets back down in the 260, 270 range, he's going to be at the lower end of those top 12 shortstops or, or maybe even just outside it. And he is 14th in our rankings behind Hardy, ahead of Yunel Escobar and Alcides. Escobar. Last question before the emails. I should have asked this earlier. If there's one guy, <laughs> Bonifacio, I think, that you, <laughs> other than Tulowitzki, that you kind of have your eye on, that you really want to end up with, who is it? I'll let you go first, Al. See, that's a tough one because I, I want to say Castro, but I know that given my strategies for other positions, I'm probably never going to get him. So I think probably realistically, the guy I would, would most be happy for settling for would be Eric Ibar um, okay. because of the, the bottom guys. Jeter could, could fall off to the face of the earth. Ramirez is who he is. Ibar's the one guy in that region who I think could outperform uh, his draft position. I think we've stressed these guys so much. It, it's too low for me. It's Bonifacio for me, or it's D Gordon for me. If okay. it's a Roto league. Sure. <laughs> All right. No, that makes sense. I got, I've got it now. Yeah. Time for emails. Fantasy. Now you're going to completely ruin my option. <laughs> I would love to end up with Bonifacio for sure. And this is a Roto League, so I will Darn it. I was going to nominate him early. Now I'm not going to. <laughs> Fantasy Baseball at CBSInteractive.com. Put podcast in the subject line. Everybody's doing a pretty good job with that, but you know, could always get better. Let's start out with are, Paul. Are we gonna hype the podcast league? Well, you gotta. You, do you want me to? I, I definitely I, want you to. I, I think he was just talking this you. together. <laughs> oh wait, didn't you tell me that? Didn't we yes. say we were gonna do that this week? Yes, I did, and I forgot. And you dropped the ball. <laughs> That's okay. I was two minutes late, so we're even. If you want to be in our podcast league, it's the three of us against nine of you, twelve team head to head points league. Please send us an email. Put podcast. Could put podcast league in the subject line. 
Do not include a question for the podcast in there. Just put podcast league in the subject line. Then you can put whatever you want. Um, and you will be entered at random into our draw, and we will do it. I don't. What do you think? In the next couple weeks, maybe next week we'll figure yeah, out I mean, who's in, and then we'll do a draft. We're pretty much into March here, so I don't. There's there's probably a couple weeks before the draft. Yeah. Okay. Fantasy baseball at cbsinteractive.com. Podcast league in the subject line, and then don't submit more than once. It's not going to help. Anyway, we look forward to it. We have a lot of fun with the podcast league. We really do. Last year, we had some great participants. In fact, they all kind of became friends, and now they're starting up another league just amongst them. Uh, so it's really it's, it's a lot of fun. And and please submit because we'd love to you know we'd love to beat you. <laughs> <laughs> Scott's the reigning champ two years in a row. That's right, big I'm, time. I've never lost the podcast league two and zero in its long illustrious history. <laughs> From Paul, our first email, standard scoring, standard roster, 12-team, head-to-head points league. I get to keep four of the following five. Verlander, Alex Gonza- Adrian Gonzalez, Pedroia the Destroyer, <laughs> Ryan Braun, and Evan Longoria. Verlander, uh, Adrian Gonzalez, Pedroia, Braun, Longoria. Pick four. I can understand why he emailed us. Holy cow. Yeah. Stuff. yeah. <sighs> I guess I'm gonna leave out Verlander just because I, I like I, I think I can build a, a better pitching staff with those you know fifth round beyond picks than a than a lineup. So I'll, I'll take the stud hitters since they're all first round types. Al, I think agree. Yeah, I agree. I actually started to go Pedroia, but then I thought pretty much exactly along the lines of what Scott just described. We're so thinking too much alike, alike yeah, today. It's a little we'll, scary. Gonna have to change that. <laughs> Next email from Michael. This will be my first year playing fantasy. I will be participating in a mixed 5x5 auction league. I heard someone say in the podcast the other day that they were willing to get who they wanted as far as hitters go and only have about $24 left for (laughs) pitching. That would be Scott. (laughs) Could you please explain how you manage that? Do you go for a decent starter and middle relief pitcher, a closer and relief pitchers to focus on low whip and ERA? I'm curious to know how you do it. Okay, well, I, I should preface this by saying strictly for 12-team mixed leagues because you get deeper than that, you're, you're going to have to settle for too much garbage in your rotation, and that's a bad idea. Um, I should also say that in my 12-team mixed auction leagues, these elite guys, first-round types, all go for $45 or more. So that means there's there's not much money left on the table for the middle and uh, late-round sleepers. If those high-end guys are going for more of the 30 to $35 range, there will be more money left for those guys, and you'll have to spend more on pitching. So with all those addendums out of the way, uh, what I do is I usually target a, uh, a lower end of a top 25, top 30 guy to be my ace, somebody I have a lot of confidence in, like a Michael Pineda or a... Uh, um, uh, give me another name from that group. Maybe an Adam Wainwright. Maybe a Madison Bumgarner, who you like a lot. Yeah. Daniel Hudson too high for that, you think? Or was uh, that No, that's you, about yeah. right, too. And I can usually get him for about $10. And then, you know, with with all the money running out, there, there's usually values beyond that point. There, it's possible one of those guys could fall into the 6 or $8 range. I might get one of those. And then, you know, closers, I, I'm not picky who I get. I just want three of them, so... All mine I usually get for one or two dollars, and then the rest of my staff I go for, uh, you know, Derek Holland types, Scott Baker types, uh, 
with one or two dollar bids and and you know some of them are going to work out some of them aren't but the ones that don't work out there'll be guys on the waiver wire who emerge early in the season that I can pick up and and it just always seems to work out okay I mean I, I don't win every pitching category or anything but I'm usually among the top five or six in those categories and with the hitting I have that's enough to put me among the top two or three teams so let's go on to Joe Tremblay, who says, Thanks for all the tips and advice. I won my league as a rookie last year because of your picks. I was wondering what you think of doing a segment on all of the ballparks and whether hitters or pitchers have an advantage and which big-name players are affected. This is our segment, Al. <laughs> I don't think we have enough mind. time for that. But uh, Just name a few. long story short, um, U.S. Cellular Field in Chicago, Yankee Stadium, and, of course, Coors Field, those are the really great hitters home uh, ballparks especially for home runs petco field uh bush stadium uh and uh, kaufman stadium really really good san diego st louis kansas city kansas city really good uh pitchers parks and i left out target field uh, for minnesota also uh, arguably now maybe the best pitchers park uh maybe even better than petco um so a guy like josh willingham you, you might worry about although he did well in oakland last year and that was sort of a surprise uh, let's see, going to the, the, the great hitters parks. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think. Great American moved. Ballpark in Cincinnati. Yeah, that's kind of a second-tier power ballpark. But, um, you got Fenway. Fenway, mediocre uh, home run park, great doubles ballpark. So um, we saw it with Adrian Gonzalez last year with a uh, big uh, uptick in the doubles. Somebody like Ryan Sweeney becomes relevant in deeper leagues because he's a, a line drive hitter who could really improve uh, at Fenway. Okay. So there's a scratching the surface of that. Mike from L.A., I had my draft last week and drafted Braun in the sixth round. Round of applause for me. Now I'm looking to trade him. I already have a stacked outfield with Kemp, Justin Upton, and Carl Crawford. My shortstop is J.J. Hardy. Do you think a straight-up Tulowitzki for Braun deal would be smart and fair? Well, if I'm saying I'll draft Tulo over Braun, I guess I'd have to say that's smart and fair. Um, I don't necessarily know that you're safe with Crawford as your third outfielder, I think. You know, he, he's likely to miss time at the beginning of the year with the wrist injury, and I think that's just another ob- hurdle, he, hurdle he's going <laughs> to like a that hurdle. Another hurdle he's going to have to overcome as he tries to have a bounce back season. Uh, but I, I think uh, if you can get too low for Braun, that, that is a deal I would do. Last email from Will Hello, Holy Trinity. I have the first pick in a 14 team mixed roto league. Seven by seven league, two added batting categories are strikeouts and errors. My dilemma is this. I want Miguel Cabrera because of the eventual third base eligibility. However, he is not the most agile of fielders. Should his potential of bad fielding errors be enough for me to go to Pujols instead? No, no, no. Al? I think, well, let me explain. I, okay. Cabrera is going to be bad defensively at third base, but I don't know the errors are so much what you have to worry about. I think it's more range yeah. that everybody's concerned about. And, you know, in a way that's almost going to help him avoid errors. So I, I don't see him being like a 20 error guy at third base or anything like that. See, I had a uh, Marlins flashback when he did play third base <laughs> and, and I don't have the numbers. haven't looked at them in ages, but my recollection is he did make a lot of errors. So I was actually well, uh, okay. I thinking, mean, thinking maybe you should go, go for pools. Uh, I'd say, look, you know, look it up and see how he did. Um, because it's, it's close, but, uh, I right now, gun to my head, I'd go Pujols. Outfielders okay. tomorrow. So, I got to tell you something. First of all, I I hate auctions, and we have one coming up in like three hours. You now. hate them. I hate them. 
They're stressful. They are stressful. I suck at them. Particularly (laughs) if if you're relatively new. Yeah, I'm terrible at auctions. Um, I tend to enjoy them as they're happening, but I don't enjoy thinking about how bad my team is going to be. But as I get into it, I I have fun. Uh, And then afterwards, I'm like, wow, that was was awful. Uh, Also, Outfielder Podcast is like extremely overwhelming there are a lot of names i don't know how we're gonna do it in we're, 40 minutes but yeah. we're gonna try so fantasy baseball is gonna beat me up a little bit in the next 24 hours we'll we'll have a we'll have a budget meeting right here when do you want to do the auction strategies podcast that we've been waiting i think we're gonna this. have to do it after the position previews okay i don't know so that we we'll, can interrupt we'll, the position previews we'll, we'll have the data today and we'll yeah. be able to go forward with it. Just an just an early tip for you, Adam Azer, to hopefully relieve some of your stress. Uh-huh. Don't wait for the last player at whatever tier you're targeting at a position, because that's how you're most likely to overpay. So, if if you see a guy going for a little too high and say, "Oh, I can get this other guy still," and and that other guy's the last guy. You're better off pay- overpaying a little for that second-to-last guy than... I think they call that Adam LaRoche syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, hopefully it won't be Adam Azer syndrome. And also, Scott, because you gave me that tip, I will now accept your friend request on Facebook. <laughs> I was considering it earlier. Wow. <laughs> now you're good to go. I, I made it. Thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Talking outfielders.